summarizes that the project that is being run is one that violates the right to clean and healthy environment. So where there is a non-compliance in the procedure of protecting the environment as laid down by the laws, then there is an assumption or as an assumption arises automatically that the project is one that violates the right to clean and healthy environment. So that is the uh, that, that that is the section of the Ken Kasinga versus David Kiplagat uh, judgment that is going to guide our discussion tonight. Around that discussion, we are going to analyze what happens when now there's a borderline jurisdiction between the ELC and the High Court. So before I bring my panelists in, uh, I want to engage, I, I want to engage with with you guys. Uh, on your idea of ELC, even before we go into the technical matters. So the simple question that we'll run through before we bring in the panelists is, in your view, do you think that the ELC has served its purpose 12 years after promulgating the Constitution? Harry. Yes, I see it being used very much, and it has made um, pivotal cases in the development of environmental law mm -hmm. and it has helped um, to specialize um you know when we just had the high court before um article which article is it article 162 mm -hmm. further subdivided or rather delegated the ju ju jurisdiction mm -hmm. to the environmental land court mm -hmm. then we have a better and a swift um application of environmental law mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, thank you, Harry. Uh, and I agree with Harry that code special is talking about code specialization and the fact that now Article 162 of the Constitution that creates this code has led to promotion of developing or even advancing environmental justice. And I agree that code specialization is an effective tool in developing expertise and in enhancing efficiency in the judicial system. In most cases, code specialization is informed by in increase of litigation complex suits and the need to maintain a coherent body of law and division of labor to lose and case load. So when the Constitution of Kenya under Article 162.2 came up with a system of a superior court uh, of uh, the status of the High Court to deal with environmental issues in the time where environmental degradation was highly being witnessed, then we thought that it served its purpose. But analyzing from the facts, uh, we, we get that out of these issues that ELC deals with, a lot of them are predominantly land issues. And these land issues already found forum in the previous courts, even before a court was designed specifically for environmental issues. So it could be assumed that people are using this court or the creation of this court for forum shopping so that the land issues that they felt would have taken maybe longer time to address in the high court and the other courts, the other ordinary courts, are now being addressed heavily in the environment and lands court to the extent that environmental issues are not being heard. So, Ezron, uh, having been in practice, bro, let me just bring in the limelight one more time. What are your thoughts about the efficacy of ELC so far since the promulgation of the Constitution? Well, uh, thank you, Max, for putting me in the spot again. Uh, actually, currently I am writing a paper. I am trying to write a paper on climate justice in Kenya. Okay. And I have been reading about this topic of climate justice. Mm -hmm. And the concept of climate justice really talks about um, mm -hmm. the fact that climate change came in 
and it has made it difficult for people who are vulnerable to survive. So you find that people who are poor before have become poorer thanks to climate change. Women who had been affected by, by society or by the weather patterns the way they were before are severely affected because of climate change. So the concept of justice comes to deal with these things. It encourages that there should be fairness in dealing with the effects of climate change. Now, when you talk about the efficacy of the Environment and Land Court, personally, in my view, I think that it is a key tool in trying to deal with the effects of climate change because it is a specialized court that was created specifically to deal with the large number of cases that were coming in. Before, the High Court had to hear all these cases, but now the Environment and Land Court was created to especially deal with environment and land issues. So that means anything to do with natural resources, that is a very, very controversial topic in this country, has had now a, 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 whatever, a, a forum. There's a forum for this in dealing with this thing. So you expect that the judge sitting in the Environment and Land Court understand things like climate justice, understand things like climate change, understand the issues surrounding natural resources in this country, they understand about the land concept. They are better placed to hear these cases than you would expect if all these cases were just bundled up in the High Court. So I and I've always been a very big supporter of the environment in that court. I do not feel like it is an avenue for forum shopping. Because mm -hmm. also remember, there are so many rules that protect cases from being placed in two different courts. Huh? Mm -hmm. In the environment and land court, their jurisdiction is actually specific. It has to be something that touches on the environment, land, or any natural resource and the claims and the claims that come thereof. So that means if a case before there, it has to fit within that category. If it doesn't fit in that category, then you can't go before the environment and land court. And there is no way you can go to the high court and the environment and land court. So I believe one, it's not an avenue for forum shopping. It was created because there was a need to create such a and if that court did not exist. So personally, I think those are, those are my views. It is a very efficient court that has done a lot and, and, and it continues to do a lot with regard to fighting for you know, rights that are surrounding the environment and natural resources in Kenya. I think... Max, I think you are mute. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so th thank you, KK, for that. So he's a proponent for ELC, and he says even in the composition of the ELC that's governed under Section 7 of the Act of that court, the expertise of the judges that sit in that court is an extra qualification to deal with environmental matters alone. And so it's a, a key tool towards uh, dealing with environmental issues and also the issue of sustainable development. I just have a, maybe a different thought or a different view to that that I'd like to pose to a, a, as a question before Marian Irungu, Marian Irungu picks up and gives us a view on this same. Uh, I, I, was, I was doing research on this topic and the critics of VLC says that the general courts, for example, should adjudicate environmental matters. And the reasons why they give for the need of the general courts to adjudicate environmental matters is that 
The general codes are already so exposed to a wide range of legal and complex issues. So they can deal with any legal and complex issue. And they've addressed that point by stating that environmental litigation is based on policy consideration. And it is not based on substantive technical data or scientific knowledge. So there is no need for creating an extra code and just using this code to address land issues because the st statistics, as I said, that in most of the issues that are being filed before these courts, predominantly a large number are land issues and not environmental issues. So the critics for ELC says that in developing environmental jurisprudence and for environmental justice, there is no need of a superior court, the level of a high court to be created. But the general courts can be designed in a way that a division of the high court is created to deal with the environmental um, and, and land issues without creating other additional institutions. Uh, Marion. Hi, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Um, from my point of view, um, I also concur with what Hezon had said, with the importance of the ELC, and also even the same with the employment and labor court relations. And um, from the findings, at least, that I was able to make, find that, um, yes, one may argue that, you know, the judges that are already there in the high court already have the the experience and all but you find that at the same point um or within the same point you find that also the judges in the elc and also the employment and labor court relations also have the same qualifications that they are, um let's say specialized in the different fields and um the specialization of the same has helped to even fasten the hearing of the cases um even and also from the cases that I've been able to look at, you find that despite people filing let's, um, the cases for land and, and employment in the high court, the same is not struck out, but they are simply transferred to the to the environment and labor, I mean to the environment and land court. Um, and for example, to still talk about the same, um, you find that the ambit was given to, let's say, the parliament was given the authority to um, mm -hmm. determine the jurisdiction of these courts. Mm -hmm. And um, the qualification, yeah, I still remain with the point for the qualification of the judges is still the same, mm -hmm. but the focus that has been given to the environment and also to the employment and labor courts mm -hmm. is important and is necessary. So you can't rule it out to say that it's uh, you know, a way of looking for another forum. And um, I'd like to bring up a case that was Kenya Medical Research Institute versus mm -hmm. the General and three others, which was a 2014 case. And uh, this case, the main argument was that um, there was a panel of, let's say, three judges, where mm -hmm. one was from the environment, in labor court, but the other two are from the high court. Mm -hmm. So the argument was that um, the, the whatever order they had given was to be struck out because the judges from the high court were not authorized to listen to the cases from the environment and labor. But um, the order that was given was that despite 
um, the two not being in the same, like the high court judges not being um, the judges who are required to preside over the cases from, for the environment labor and for the environment and land court. Um, they looked at the, in the interest of justice and the same was struck out and they say that it shouldn't be an issue to strike out the orders that were given. So you see that you can't, um, one may still say that the qualifications and also the legal background that both have is the same. There's not much difference, just that there's a specialization and the specialization is important. And um, I believe that steps have been taken and it's a great improvement to the legal system. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Marion, for that. We will have a follow-up on all those statements and those issues Marion has highlighted. But just from what she has said, uh, she has brought a point of the former uh, Section 8D of the Environment and Land Scots Act. Before the Environment and Land Scots Act was amended by the Statutory Laws Miscellaneous Amendments Act Number 12 of uh, 2012, there was a Section 8D that uh, actually permitted the transfer of judges from the ELC, from the ELRC, and from the High Court concurrently. So a judge could be transferred from a High Court to here and determine an issue before an ELRC. And another judge would be transferred from the ELRC to here and determine an issue before the ELC. But people challenged that. People said that that particular section went um, against uh, Section 7 of the Act that required an extra expertise on the judges that were sitting on environmental matters. And that brings me to a question that I want to shoot to Donald Watson. I know he's already inside. The question of procedure. Donald, what is then the efficacy of this court if this court still uses the civil procedure rules, the Civil Procedure Act, and the laws of evidence to hear and determine environmental matters? What then separates this court from the ordinary courts on environmental issues? Is it just the 10 years experience of the judges on legal study about environmental issues. Don. Okay, good evening. Good evening, bro. Good evening. Um, okay. Uh, on the point you've raised, it's quite a, a unique point. And... Uh, You'd understand that previously, uh, I think uh, before the promulgation of the Christian Constitution, uh, we had uh, the Environment and Land Division of the High Court, which uh, which uh, was actually replaced by the Environment and Land Court uh, under the 2010 jurisprudence. And uh, one of the most important aspects of the Environment and Land Division of uh, actually of the Environment and Land Court initially before before the miscellaneous uh, statute law miscellaneous amendment act was that it did not have the procedures did not have to conform to the civil procedure rules of evidence and all that. But uh, after the amendment, uh, there was the introduction of uh, of of the same of uh, the conformance to 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 such procedures. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing per se. Uh, because that is the procedure we have to, it's procedural law, we have to follow it as, as it is uh, in terms of orders, in terms of decrees, in terms of uh, uh, the appropriate documents. But perhaps what sets apart uh, these uh, environmental and the land proceedings from any other proceeding is perhaps the provisions of uh, Article, it should be 159, and uh, 
yeah on uh, procedural technicalities and uh, these actually emanated from the decision in the Wangari Madai case where they said uh, when filing on filing uh, these matters matters to do with environmental land we do not have to conform to 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 procedures and all that in terms of documents so you'll find that uh, that uh, a suit will not be struck out on the basis of of uh, of commencing the suit by the wrong a wrong uh, document perhaps uh, or a wrong pleading so to say for instance uh, maybe you commence by way of uh, of a plaint rather than a notice of motion or so it cannot be struck out on the basis of procedural technicalities and i think that was that is the main the main difference that sets apart uh, these uh, uh, these courts from 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 ordinary courts, and uh, I say that is a is a plus for, for this court, not just the expertise of the judges and all that. Okay, don't even don't... even uh, even perhaps in terms of uh, locus, you can mm -hmm. you will agree with me that. Uh, that uh, someone does not have to to be to be at loss or uh, to have suffered the loss directly to institute a, a suit on on environmental degradation or such a thing so that is is a, is a plus as well yeah in terms of local standing okay and we're coming back to that i agree with don article 22 of the constitution of kenya is clear that even for threat of violation of environmental uh, right uh, someone has a locus before the environmental and law court to, uh, to institute uh, a claim on that threat of violation and so that is a plus the lifting of locus that now anyone can institute a legal claim before the environmental lands court and the fact that you don't even have to suffer arm directly before you institute that claim that even in existence of a threat you can institute a claim it's a plus of that court uh before we give a forum maybe to audience participation so that we explore on that topic let's hear kk mbogo kk mbogo is uh is a, our panelist also today and is the guy in charge of uh 12 media so kk what's your idea on uh maybe MK ELC Act, uh, De, uh, Ken Kasinga versus David Kiplagat, or on the topic that we are talking about on procedure and the rules of the court. Hey guys, um, I'm KK. I'm glad to be part of this discussion today. Uh, sorry for joining the discussion late. I'm just back from Sagana declaration this is gonna we are waiting for medinazir at nine to follow you guys up proceed <laughs> anyway we all know how important our environment is and it will be everyone's duty to ensure and maintain a good environment both for us and uh the future generation uh in 2010 kenya promulgated a new constitution and article 162 to be of the constitution uh, mainly talks about the ELC. Uh, parliament shall establish courts with the status of the high court to hear and determine disputes relating to employment and labor, A, employment and labor relations, B, the environment and the use and occupation of and title to land. Uh, as you can see in the case of Ken Kasinga versus D. Kiplagat and five, five others, uh, it is evident that the erection of the telecom telecommunication receiver station was a dis was a degrade degraded the environment of the adjacent lands, and the base station had to be pulled down 
and the environment be restored to the manner that it was before the illegal mast was put up. That was, uh, in that case, that was the ruling by the court, the, uh, the ELC court. Uh, this is a clear elaboration of the ability of the ELC to produce results. Uh, both Marion and Chege have talked about this, so I'll just go to delivery and development of jurisprudence by the Environment and Land Court, ELC. Mm, as stated earlier, it is one of the courts contemplated by Article 162 as a superior court, just like its counterpart, the Industrial Court, both have the same status as the High Court. The court is established under Section 4 of the Environment and Land Court Act, No. 19 of 2011. It has, it has jurisdiction to hear any other dispute relating to environment and land. To environment and land, hence ELC has dual jurisdiction to hear and determine both land and uh, environmental issues. Uh, since, since it was established in, back in the year 2012. There, there is no published data on the number of environment, environmental matters that have been handled by the court as compared to the land. Uh, the research carried out by individual and institution indicate that uh, uh, the court has handled fewer environmental cases compared to, to, to the land cases. Uh, case loads grants are a court an opportunity to settle disputes, develop the law and jurisprudence, despite the fewer environmental matters, the ELC has continued to develop law and jurisprudence, environmental issues such as environmental rights, uh, local standard, and uh, also, I think, application of international environmental laws uh, principles. Also, it, it should be noted that across the world, there has been uh, an increase in environmental and land courts. Recently, around in 2009, there were only 350 of these specialized court systems in the world. But as we are speaking, at least 1,200 courts uh, based in other four countries across the world. Uh, this has been brought by an evolving understanding of the human rights and environmental law increased aware. In, in, uh, this has been brought by an increasing understanding of human rights and environmental law, increased awareness of the threats of climate change and dissatisfaction with the general court. This is uh, according to George Pring, a co-author of Environmental and Court Tribunal, uh, a UNEP program to, for policymakers. Uh -huh. It's also normal, normal for humans to prefer specialization, as one of the panelists has said. Uh, uh, I've also looked at the data. Chile has the highest number, is, is the country which has the highest number of environmental cases in South America. And uh, I found out that one of the main reasons why it has a lot of cases, uh, I think it's because the, the, the public trust in, in the court system. Why, why? This is because uh, it is made up of three ministers who two are lawyers and one must have a science background. You feel me? So basically, they have more trust in their courts rather than just going to give a, any other judge. You give a judge who is specialized in, the, in that specific area. But uh, if you want the most from ELC, we need to, 
we need to change some things. I think we need strong leadership, uh, steady funding, and political support. Uh, these are the key, the key pillars to the court's success. Yeah, according to a, a, a UNEP report that was written, I think, some months ago. So basically, I'll just highlight all the advantages. I think expertise or specialization, this leads to greater efficiency. Uh, it is less costly uh, compared to the general courts, uh, improved judicial oversight, which leads to public confidence, consistency in decision-making, and uh, greater visibility of environmental issues. Uh -huh. uh, as much as ELC has a great deal of advantages, it is, I think it's far from perfect. I will just highlight I just highlight some of the some of its disadvantages. For instance, uh, it is hard to objectively judge the value of environmental court system decisions in a world which environmental law evolves and climate change creates new challenges. So the the decisions that are going to be made today may not be that good in the next 20 years. So basically it's not it's not uh, the, the precedents might not be might be absurd in the near future. There's also the risk of marginalizing environmental courts from mainstream judicial system. And uh, as Ogola said, uh, as we began, insufficient caseload. Uh -huh. it's, all, it's also a disadvantage and it's also costly to establish new courts. Uh, I think the country might, the judiciary might need more capital to, to to start a new court. Uh, so basically, that's it. That has been my time, and uh, it's KK Mbogo. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I think my connection also ran counter-current while you're speaking, but I heard what you said. So the procedure vis-a-vis -vis benefit, economic benefit, is something that we also need to address when we are appreciating the existence of this court or the role that this court has played in developing uh, environmental uh, jurisprudence. However much we might agree, and a large population of you guys might agree, that environmental land court is very necessary in this moment, now that we're talking about sustainable development and now this gross environmental degradation. I feel like Kenya wanted to pride itself as being the first country to create this particular court without having the required procedure of creating this court and running it. Because look at it, like the Ken Kasinga case that we are digesting tonight, where booster stamp is being brought down because of lack of public participation. Now, what if the public participation was carried out and they found that actually uh, that booster would have brought more benefit than the complaint that was there before? And the land has already been restored to its original state. Then what's going to happen again? We erect the booster again or we leave the, the environment as it is? There are three ambits of environmental law. And before I pose a question, it is very key that we understand this. The three ambit of the principle of sustainable development under environmental law. It is drawn in a triangle where the top is the planet. On one end, we have the people. And on the other end, we have profits, the three P of uh, sustainable development. That the people has to use the planet to profit from it as we also sustain it. So then what happens? Uh, okay, everyone has raised a hand and I'll bring him in just right now. What happens where now the procedure of conserving the planet is so strict that we cannot even have profits from that very planet? Ezron. Uh Sorry, I just wanted to draw a spanner into the works. Okay. 
uh, you mentioned that Kenya was the first country, wanted to look like the first country to set up an environmental yeah. and land court, isn't it? Uh, it's yeah. actually, um, I don't want to be that person, but it's actually not very true. There are mm -hmm. 40 nations across the world that already mm -hmm. have environment and land courts. Yeah. So Kenya is not the first one. It's just one no. of the 40 that already have Actually, okay, I get you cancel and thank you for the clarification. But actually, Kenya was the first in Africa, the first in Africa to come up and entrench an environment and landscape in their constitution was this proud nation of Kenya. And so it's arguable wow. that... Yeah, that maybe in the in the confines of Africa, Kenya wanted to pride itself by coming up with this court without going through the sufficient procedure of how this court is being run. From where I sit, if out of 12 and 70 cases, only nine are environmental in nature, and we also acknowledge the fact that environmental law, environmental courts cannot institute proceedings in their own motions, that for development of environmental justice and, uh, and jurisprudence, the people have to come to the court with the claims and in the Determining those claims, the court has to develop jurisprudence. And for 12 years down the line, I have statistics here. Let me let me let me let me tell you guys real quick that in 2013, the biggest decision that came from the Environment and Lands Court was one. That was the R versus Lake Victoria South Water Services Board and two others. When we go to 2014. Uh, there were two historical judgments, the ADEX Limited versus NEMA and uh, the and Mastermind Tobacco Limited, and the Kome Mwambia and another versus the Dashun Properties Co Limited and four others. In 2015, there was no decision on environment uh, that emanated from the ELC. In 2016, there was the Mufat Kamau and nine others versus the Olos Kenya Limited and nine others. That was 2016. Yes, this the historical Uruvino that was just concluded the other day. So it is... It could be said that since inception in 2010 and the creation of the courts in 2012, Kenya has had decisions coming from the ELC on environmental matters that are very less than 100. Because the caseload thing that, that Mbogo says, and Mbogo did his research well, is that there is no caseload from the judiciary on the environmental issues that has been determined. And the reason why they say this is because every decision that comes from the ELC is binded together as an ELC decision. So even keeping a track record of how the jurisprudence has developed or developed over environmental matters in this period of time becomes very hard. So the question is, what is the efficacy of the court if it cannot uh, solve the problem that it came to solve and is just being used as an additional platform to solve land cases that are also being had in the ordinary courts? Anyone from the audience? Masila. Um, yes. What you think? You know yes, Sure. Uh, when the constitution was first um, enacted in the Finnish constitution, mm. one of the main factors of the constitution is that it's transformative in nature. It means that even, even though the land environment, land and environment court mm -hmm. is functioning yet, I mean the result already is much less than it's expected. Mm -hmm. In the future, maybe more cases uh, will be will be reported. Mm -hmm. And also, mm -hmm. um, I think awareness uh, mm -hmm. with the people. 
I mean, mostly Kenyans. About the environment is still much less. People, people don't mm -hmm. care about the environment or they're not much aware of the environment. Mm -hmm. We don't expect them to maybe file cases mm -hmm. uh, about the environment or people first should be aware of the environment. We not mm -hmm. expect it soon enough. Mm -hmm. So, so Rono, Rono, I get what Rono Bigel is saying, and Rono's blame is not on the court. Rono blames the people, that maybe it is the people who are not informed about their environmental rights and there is no enough public information about that right. And that is the reason why there is low caseload in the environment and land courts. Uh, I'd like to hear another person that supports or have a contrary opinion to Rono. Yes, Don. Okay, um, I will perhaps draw an, uh, an analysis uh, from, uh, from a decision of, uh, of the Court of Appeal in a decided case. Uh, this is the case of uh, LSK Nairobi branch versus Malindi Law Society. I think it's a 2016 case which had uh, far-reaching consequences than, than we can imagine. And mm -hmm. I do not wish to proceed on conjecture because I want to draw an analysis to you so that you can understand the okay. implication, or implication of that decision. That mm -hmm. decision uh, mm -hmm. said that, that uh, the Environment and Land Court does not have exclusive original jurisdiction on environment matters. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is the implication of this, uh, of this, uh, of, of that, uh, of that ruling or, or that uh, ratio, decidentally? That probably the magistrates' courts can have exactly. the jurisdiction exactly. in first instance? Okay. Ex exactly. So that uh, the magistrate uh, courts can actually entertain environment matters uh, mm -hmm. dependent or, or reliant on uh, their pecuniary jurisdiction. Yeah. So one, one drawback of this is that mm -hmm. we cannot quantify environmental degradation. You cannot <laughs> say that, uh, that uh, you have... Uh, that you have degraded the environment up to 100,000 Kenya shillings. Is, is it really, does it really make sense? It really does not make sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. So, And uh, people will say that uh, that decision was good because it enhances access to justice because magistrate courts are, are, uh, are uh, well located within uh, various areas around the country, so it's easier to reach them. But yeah. you'll, you'll see that uh, an area suffers grave environmental degradation but people are not aware uh, yeah. because they, they they imagine that it's not it's not that bad yeah uh, it's a normal calamity exactly. and maybe if this matter were to be adjudicated before the environmental land court it will actually mm -hmm. be a landmark case that will actually lead to 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 development of rich jurisprudence as well so i i, mm -hmm. I see that as a as a, as a major issue Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then uh, perhaps just an issue to raise i i don't know i i uh maybe someone can address it uh, sure. is is the fact that environmental degradation is cross-cutting mm -hmm. in that uh uh we cannot really say we cannot really say that uh we can only rely on article 52 alone because mm -hmm. let's or let's say an industry uh deposits its, its trade trade difference uh in river Mm -hmm. uh, that would mean that uh, your rights under Article 43 to, to clean water yeah. and sanitation, sanitation is, is, actually, is actually violated. So mm -hmm. is the same matter uh, that falls under Article 43 to be adjudicated upon in the High Court because uh, of exactly that the High Court possesses such, such jurisdiction or 
since it was as a result of trade effluence, therefore it's environmental, therefore should be educated in the ELC. I, I wish to get an answer if, if there is any. Yeah, there is. Definitely, and we are coming to that. That was actually my next question, and you brought it in. But before we address it, Santos raised her hand. Santos. Santos. Okay, we lost Santos. I know if she comes back, she'll proceed. So let's go back to Don's question. Don is asking that where uh, a particular corporation uh, emits its influence into a river that is being consumed by a particular amount of residents, then now the right of these people that have been violated is the right to their clean environment under Article 42 and also right to clean water under Article 43. The question that comes in from Don, therefore, is to what extent is the jurisdiction of the ELC and the jurisdiction of the High Court on that matter? We know very well that under Article 165 of the Constitution, the High Court has the jurisdiction to hear any constitutional petition. And that, now, the jurisdiction that is created under Article 162 for these courts, the Environment and Lands Court to be specific, people say is limited to Article 42, 69, and 70 of the Constitution. But when it is a company actually emitting effluence into a river, then what is the position of the law? Which court has jurisdiction in that borderline? Who'd like to pick that up? Check it. Uh, now, to give you an answer to that question, yes. we would first need to talk about human rights as they are. Mm -hmm. Now, it is, of course, understood that human rights are indispensable. Mm -hmm. You affect one right, you affect another one. Mm -hmm. So, if you affect environmental rights, you are also mm -hmm. affecting the right to right life, the mm -hmm. right to health, the mm -hmm. right to, you know, uh, a clean and healthy environment affects other several rights. Mm -hmm. So, Remember, let us remember that the Environment and Land Court is mm -hmm. a court of a rank similar to mm -hmm. the High Court. Mm -hmm. right? So if something is affecting the environment, mm -hmm. then that court has the right or it has the jurisdiction to go mm -hmm. ahead and make a declaration on that thing. Mm -hmm. So okay. if the environmental uh, degradation is affecting other rights, that mm -hmm. court has a right to speak about that. Now, if you mm -hmm. think about the Uruwino case, for example, yes. in Uruwino, Yes, mm -hmm. they were talking about environmental degradation, and that was the major mm -hmm. right that they went to court and complaining that mm -hmm. these people had dumped toxic waste and that had uh, affected the people's right to a clean and healthy environment. But mm -hmm. at the same time, they also raised the issue of access to justice. Mm -hmm. And the access to justice is a different right from the right to a clean and healthy environment. But mm -hmm. then you can clearly see that both of them are interlinked. If these people were told before that mm -hmm. someone was coming up to set a, a, a company, a battery company, them, mm -hmm. would have been afraid. But then mm -hmm. you see these people came in, they set up, they affected mm -hmm. people's health, it was because they were not told. So you find mm -hmm. that to realize the right to a clean and healthy environment goes mm -hmm. on ahead several different other rights. And therefore, mm -hmm. if you want to deal with the rights to be in a healthy environment, you have to speak mm -hmm. about these rights. So it is true that the Environment and Land Court has the jurisdiction to deal with mm -hmm. other rights as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this court is also empowered to deal with those rights. And, and I think there's a lot of jurisprudence on that already. It's just that I can't mm -hmm. find the cases right now, but yes. there's already a lot 
have jurisdiction on the powers of the court to deal with other different rights, save for the one that it has specifically reserved for. Okay, okay. Th th and thank you for that. The environment, the environment, I remember I sat in Dr. Wino's class and Dr. Wino said the environment includes everything, including water. Though I'd like to hear another contrary opinion because the jurisdiction of the, the ELC is clear that the ELC has jurisdiction to the extent of Article 42, 69 and 70 of the Constitution. And as first years would sing it in this platform, owners of Mutuvieco, Lilia Ness versus Caltex Oil Kenya, jurisdiction is everything without which a court should down its tools. So what happens therefore if the issue we are addressing under Article 42, 69 and 70 creates an issue that falls under Article 43 or 2021 for example, right to life, another person before we bring back Don in to a certain dissatisfaction. Uh, Santos, are you okay now? Okay, Augustine Orina, I'll take you first then you will go next. Orino. So, good evening, everyone. Good evening, my friend. Yes, you had asked, let's say, for a counter opinion. Mm -hmm. I wanted to look at it this way. Mm -hmm. We have said that the court derives its jurisdiction from Article 42, 69, and 70. Mm -hmm. We have the record on the other hand. And on this matter, let's say, mm -hmm. you can look at it this way. Let's say, where do you think mm -hmm. you can get the appropriate relief you are seeking for? What the court can grant in case of an infringement of a right is section 13. Maybe you can look at that section for under section 13, and if you find that the relief you are seeking for is not listed under there, preservation orders, preservative orders, damages, compensation, specific performance, restitution, declaration, and cost. You mm -hmm. might find that, that when you are, let's say you are involving a corporation like Donald said, mm -hmm. you might find that the relief you are seeking for mm -hmm. is not covered under the ELC Act. Mm -hmm. and if you go to the High Court, the High Court can be in a position to grant that relief you are seeking. So I think mm -hmm. that you can look at it from that angle. If the relief you are seeking for can be best granted by the High Court, then you go to the High Court and not to the ELC. Orina gives it the approach of the relief you're seeking so that you decide the court you're approaching with this issue dependent on relief you're seeking. Ayo's assembly's hand is up, same as Marion. Ayo. Yes, thank you, Max Ogola, uh, for having me. And uh, I really have very few points to put across, but uh, of uh, what has struck um, uh, my mind is uh, I think the jurisdiction of environmental land court has been by and large uh, in, uh, encapsulated under Article 42, Article 69, and 70. And then of most, most importance, or what you can allow, what you can allow the Supreme Court about is stretching the meaning of uh, of environment and uh, in relation to life. And then and and the right to life has been extended to the right to a healthy and clean environment, which is really uh, uh, a good thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, read as read together with Article 21 and 22 of the Constitution as matters of enforcement. And uh, I think the real declaration of 1992 is also important when uh, discerning matters of environment because it brought about something very important. 
it encourages state parties to strengthen uh, indigenous uh, capacity building and sustainable development, which sustainable development means uh, legislating or rather acting in a manner that appreciates the current and future generation, right? So that is really important when dealing or when handling environmental land matters. And uh, further, or uh, to, to elucidate my point, I think also Section 13 of the Environment and Land Code has fortified what Environmental Land Code uh, we will deal with, which but of the many include matters of uh, biological involvement of anything, uh, natural resources, minerals, and etc. You can mention the list is too long, and uh, it's 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 clear enough to anybody and uh, to everyone's mind. Uh, the, the 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 jurisdiction of uh, environmental land court has been uh, directly uh, directly provided for. So I think it's out of the question as to whether jurisdiction of uh, environmental land court lies only to which matters or what matters. I think we should just take a succinct view of what has been provided and apply a literal or a purposive interpretation of those chapters and uh, to to give graduates due because uh, statistics shows and they don't lie that more than 63% of the cases uh, put forth in the environmental and land court have been expeditiously uh, here had and determined and uh, within within six months of, uh, of petition. So it's really good that environment and land court has uh, to to that to this extent achieved its purpose yeah yeah okay okay uh, Ayo says that the environment land court has achieved its purpose because of the expeditious nature of disposal of cases before that court but on the question we are addressing Ayo says that the law is clear that the jurisdiction of this court is to the extent of article 42 69 and 70 of the constitution and then the act goes ahead to describe what constitutes an environmental issue so if the defi definition of clean water for example falls under the act then the court will have jurisdiction over that but if it doesn't and it comes as a result of a violation of the environment, then the court has no jurisdiction to that end. Mario Nirungu. Okay, um, in a contrary opinion to the same, let's say in spite of the provisions that have been given both in the constitution and also the Environment and Land um, Court Act, we find that uh, in, now, in the interpretation that has been given by courts in different cases, and I will cite the same, um, issues have been raised on the issue of incidental concurrent jurisdiction. And this is where, as for example, the case that Don has stated, mm -hmm. where you find that a matter can fall in the high court and also is touching on um, issues that are also addressed on by the other two courts which are of the same stature and that includes the environment and land court so um in instances where the same has been raised um find for example i'd give a case of julius osea nyende and two others versus antoine yeah i'll give maybe you look at the same um you'll find that in this case for example the judge ruled that um in matters which are falling within the provision of that section 13, that the court is not only limited 
to the matters that have been raised um, or have been stated in that jurisdiction, but it can also um, enforce the fundamental rights which are incidental to those of which um, also fall under the environment and land court. And um, for example, now in this Julius Osea Nyende case, um, it mainly dealt with employment. And we find that in this case, it was a matter that was falling both under tort and also under employment. So the judge brought out the issue of when you're raising such an instance, you find that the person or the, plain, the plaintiff who's raising the issue is on to decide whether they'd want, how they'd frame the matter to fall either on the high, to fall, for example, uh, to the high court as a tort, or also to fall under the ambit of the employment and labor as an employment issue between the employer and the employee. So this was, I put it in relation to the environment and land court because they also cited the same. And um, in this issue, it was dealt with that the, the, the ELRC still had jurisdiction to hear the same because the matter also touched on the issues which were, deal, which were dealt with by the court. So in such um, instances, you find that the court does have jurisdiction and the same is already evident in different cases that have been decided upon. So yes, that is my submission. <laughs> nice. From, from Maroni Rungu, we are picking concurrent jurisdictions and then she tends to lie towards the side of Augustine Orina by stating that now it is upon the plaintiff to frame their suit so that it either falls on the environment and lands court or on the other quarters for their need. Kimani Njoroge's hand is up and so is Weyusia. I'll take Kimani, I'll take Weyusia, then I'll take Ayu and Don. Yes, good evening. These are the exact words of, of, of section 13.3 of the ELC Act. And it says, nothing in this act shall preclude the court from hearing and determining applications for redress, denial, violation, infringement, or threat to rights or fundamental freedom relating to clean and healthy environment under Articles 42, 69, and 70. From a plain reading that section, we get that the act says that its intention is not to, is not to prevent the court from hearing. So it's, it, it is not a preventive act. So it's not a restrictive act. The words of the act do not restrict the jurisdiction of the court. Rather, the, the as Marion has said, the act permits or application, uh, the act permits the court to hear uh, the matters that are, that are, uh, that are incidental to, as Marion has said, because the court says that uh, in the exact words of the relating to the, the act uses the words relating to clean. It does not say that the right has to be the, the, the right to clean environment. The rights just have to relate to and have to threaten the right to a clean and healthy environment. Thank you. Yes, Max Oguela, may can I proceed? I think you can just proceed. 
I think he's busy. Yeah, so Maxogola, uh, okay, I have a discrete view of what Ma, Mario Nirungu propounded. And uh, I think uh, it is clear and trite that matters being brought of court of law are of procedural or in any event substantive matters. And when they fall within that purview, a court cannot uh, uh, pronounce itself on a matter we, when it's, it's, it is bereft of uh, jurisdiction. And a matter being uh, thrown out of an environmental and land court is not acting arbitrarily or unconscionably. What matters is whether uh, the procedural, the, the procedure, the, the, the procedures of the court are followed because of matters of coherence, clarity, and certainty of the law, which is really important. And therefore, a court cannot pronounce itself on what it doesn't have. And throwing throwing out a case is a matter of procedure rather than substance. As 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 many cases have been decided, it is substance which will. Are you? Uh, let me let me let me cut you short in a minute, my friend. We, we have like six minutes to conclusion. So let me take this procedurally before we come back to you. Will you say your hand is still up on the same topic before I give you a window? Uh, okay, thank you. I mm. hope I can be heard. Yes, now you're audible. Proceed. Um, okay, in response to whatever Don had asked whether uh, the uh, Article 43 of the Constitution can come in, under the jurisdiction of uh, ELC Act. When you look at section 13, subsection 2 of the same Act, part A, it enlists uh, a, a very large clause of the... And we have uh, natural resources as part of the disputes uh, of the matters that the court can hear and determine. We all know what natural resources are. You can look at Article 260 on interpretation and you'll find that water is uh, included in the list of natural resources and we know that water is actually a natural resource. Um, just echoing what Kimani had said on the issue of rights relating to a clean and healthy environment, I, I, I agree that uh, actually, article you can raise Article 43 uh, on the right, specifically on the right to is it is it water adequate water something of the sort in case of uh, of pollution in um in the in a in a how do I say it in the ELC court. All right, thank you, thank you, Ms. Weyusia. Yes, Ms. Weyusia is uh, addressing the point that Kimani also said that uh, Article 32, uh, I mean, Section 13, Section 13 of the Environment Lands Court is broader in the concepts or on the issues that the court can have jurisdiction upon. And water falls under natural resource. So the, the way we were saying, if it's an inter interdependent right to a clean and healthy environment, then this court will have jurisdiction to hear and uh, determine it. Keep going. It will be the last I'll take on that topic before proceed, bro. Unmute. Or maybe Keep Coet just left. He raised, his hand. he raised his hand. So if he comes back. Yes, Don. Yeah, uh, I think I've heard uh, the diverse views from, from the members. And uh, I, I wish to 
to say that uh <laughs> i'm not quite sure which one uh, which uh which school of thought is actually accurate but uh, uh one one of the justices of the environment and land court this uh, this is justice oscar ngote of uh, elc machakos uh in a paper he wrote he actually cites the issue of uh, uh of uh, forum chopping as one of the challenges affecting elc uh so if we allow for for matters to fall within the uh, environmental matters that actually touch on other on other rights to fall within the ambit of the high court wouldn't we be opening the floodgates to forum shopping in that uh, i do not have to go to the elc i can just go to the to an avenue which has the best reliefs and and uh, and such a thing and he cites that as one of the challenges that uh, face the court in terms of even developing its jurisprudence yeah 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 i i i read that as well the forum shopping issue uh, and that's why i was also not leaning towards the point of uh, framing points to to favor uh, the reliefs that you're going to obtain before court jurisdictions of court flow directly either from the constitution statutes and are clarified by precedents so when the statutes and the constitution is clear on what a jurisdiction of a court entails that is the scope to which that jurisdiction ought to end the last question I'd like to pose to all the panelists and also the members in the discussion so that we look at it critically is that the interpretation section of the Environment and Land Scots Act in Article 2, uh, in Section 2, pardon me, in Section 2, that is the interpretation section, deletes the, uh, the creation of a principal judge and replaces it with a position of a presiding judge. Those who have been in practice few of us in this discussion and i know don you've been in practice a few years here uh, uh chege was in here has been in practice we know that ordinarily the position of a principal judge is higher than the position of a presiding judge so if the elc is headed by a presiding judge and the high court is headed by a principal judge then the question of equal status under article 162 does it make sense done yeah thank you uh i think that that is that is actually a major issue and uh that uh that provision under the interpretation interpretation section was deleted by the, uh, the statute law amendment amendment act of 2012 and uh the same justice justice angote actually cites it as a very contentious issue because uh for one it means that uh, the ELC does not actually have the same status as as, uh, as the High Court because uh, initially we had the principal judge, then they they deleted the section without without need for public participation, just as a miscellaneous amendment. And I think that is quite an, an issue, only issue, uh, because we are we are actually still treating the ELC as a division of the High Court, since that would mean that. Uh, Perhaps because presiding judges report to principal judges, who then report to, who then report to the chief justice. But uh, I, I will argue again on on the other side and say that uh, it still creates the presiding judge who who shall still be answerable to the to the to the chief justice. So it's quite a contentious issue. Uh, it has not been dealt with with clarity. And uh, yeah, I think I will fence it on that one. But uh, we lean more towards. <laughs>
to the, the concept of uh, it it actually okay. undermines undermines the status as as don sits on the fence on the status of the ELC and the high court because the principal judge and the presiding judge is yes a contentious matter let's see what you see has to say on the same Audrey. Audrey, your hand is still up. That's why we are calling you in. But if maybe you are not in a position to pull back in the interest of time, are you? Yeah, thanks, Maxogola. <laughs> Actually, I don't know why there is a furore on this matter, but I think it's clear enough as the day that uh, the, 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 the environment and land court is a court of uh, same status as the high court. And that's why the act deliberately expunges uh, an appeal that will uh, uh, expunges uh, high court in matters appeal because appeal will lie directly to the court of appeal rather than passing through the high court meaning it has been omitted intentionally not because of anything and we need to also consider that environment and land court came about to supplement rather than supplant the position of any court therefore of importance is of is or is what the judges pronounce rather than what the law provides because well I, I, I don't I don't agree with you and I'm just going to cut his opinion in short before he even proceeds <laughs> for the purposes of recording this platform the issue of appeal is a whole different thing and we don't want to mislead the public or even law students listening to this based on our ideas there's hierarchy of judges and a principal judge sits on a very top position than an ordinary presiding judge and the constitution is clear that the ELC is a superior court of the same status of the high court so let us not run it through that maybe other people somewhere thought better than we the Kenyan people ought to have thought and we also know that the, the statutory laws miscellaneous amendments act came into force without public participation so there was not our the people of kenya's idea on that particular amendment and it's a very key issue in determining that we cannot drop through so keep quiet please take real quick quick your hand is up are you just move keep quiet okay uh, i think uh, max you can confirm whether you can hear me audibly Yes, uh, sorry I lost you uh, earlier on and uh, I wanted to weigh in and uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if time can allow me to briefly weigh in sure, before maybe. I say something on uh, <clears throat> on the issue of the, the presiding judge and even the, the principal judge. Sure, take your time. Yes, so uh, I've been uh, following this uh, discussion and uh, I think uh, the main reason for the establishment of the ELC is uh, to promote access to justice under Article 48. I know that's a new uh, input into the discussion, but uh, that's my feeling and uh, that's my thinking on the same. And uh, it's for the reason that has been raised earlier on on the issue of uh, spe specialization of the courts. Because looking at uh, what has been uh, happening uh, earlier on before the, before the 2010 constitution and uh, even what is uh, happening now, should there be no specialization, then uh, you can be guaranteed that there is not going to be a service of justice, and especially when it comes to such matters as uh, the environment uh, and even uh, issues to do with land, uh, where, there is, uh, where, where, where the ELC has been, has, uh, has been given that uh, specialization. 
And uh, on the issue of jurisdiction, I think uh, the law is uh, clear on the same. The constitution is uh, clear on the same. And uh, as has been said, that's uh, under Article 162 uh, 2B. And uh, ELC is to handle uh, matters touching on uh, environment and on land. So any other any other any other matter that's uh, falling outside that is not to be handled by uh, ELC. And uh, my point is that uh, the constitution is clear on the on the issue of uh, jurisdiction and uh, also remembering or uh, yes, remembering what uh, they said earlier on. Yes, listening to, listening to your submission, bro, I like them, but we have less than five minutes to conclude. So I'd give you a minute, bro. Proceed. It's okay, no problem. Yeah, so uh, something else is that uh, on the, uh, when it comes to the jurisdiction of uh, both the High Court, the ELC, and uh, the ELRC, these courts are there to complement one another. Because as has been uh, said, and constitutionally, they are of, uh, they are of equal status, and uh, they are not competing with one another, but they are there to complement one another. So uh, anything that falls outside the jurisdiction of ELC is to be handled by either the High Court uh, or the ELRC. So uh, that's the point. And uh, uh, I think uh, the last thing is that uh, these provisions are uh, people-centered. When you look at the Constitution entirely, these uh, provisions are uh, people-centered and uh, they are human rights-centered. Uh, and uh, from my point of, uh, from where I sit, I want to believe that uh, each and everything or the move that will uh, in the best way possible address the human rights and uh, resolve the disputes by the, or uh, yeah, resolve the, the dispute is to be taken by the court and not otherwise. And uh, on the, the last issue of the presiding and the principal judge, uh, just uh, 10 seconds, uh, anything that uh, tries to contravene the constitution, I think it has to be challenged. Its constitutionality has to be, uh, has to be challenged, challenged. And uh, there is not supposed to be. Uh, these courts are of uh, equal status. And uh, anyone who purports or any law that purports to, to elevate one over the other, I think uh, it's unconstitutional and uh, it has to be uh, brought, uh, brought down based on that. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you, Kipoech. Uh, I think uh, you just tell us where you're joining us from. Which campus, maybe? Uh, I'm from Moy University, our next campus. Oh, thank you. Thank you, uh, Kipoech, from Moy University. And thank you for joining the discussion. Today, we were dealing with the overlap of jurisdiction between the ELC and the ELRC. Our case study was to be Ken Kasinga versus D, uh, Kiplagat, and five others. The key issues that we were rotating about was one, as the ELC served its purpose in developing environmental jurisprudence and, env and making access to environmental justice. Two, does the ELC function ordinarily if it is still subjected to civil procedure rules and civil procedure act and laws of evidence? Or should the ELC have its own system of procedure and rules as was earlier um, uh, determined, determined by the people upon its inception. The third issue we were dealing with is the ELC of the same status as the High Court. If the principal judge is in the High Court, yet the ELC is being held, uh, is, is being led, pardon me, with a presiding judge. This, among other issues that we discussed tonight, form the basis of our last case digest on overlap of jurisdiction this month. And as we start the month of March, we will be dealing with 
alternative dispute resolution cases, ranging from the new to decision to the synergy decisions and all the issues in between. We thank you again, just like every other day, for making time and being with us tonight. We wish you a good night and we wish upon you God's favor until we meet again next Wednesday. We have one minute to conclude our digest and that will be a free time to any of you who has an additional contribution. Thank you and have a good night.